Welcome to the Gloria Purvis Podcast, where we talk about the issues in the Catholic Church and the society that matter to you and to me. And I'm glad you're here to have that conversation with me. My guest today is Gina Vides. Gina is the Associate Director of Parish and Community Leadership at the Office of Life, Justice, and Peace in the Los Angeles Archdiocese. I wanted to talk to Gina because this week we're celebrating Mother's Day. And I wanted to look really more closely at how do we honor, support, and celebrate all mothers? And I was thinking about the heavy emphasis on abortion as a reproductive freedom for women and mothers without equal emphasis on reproductive freedom to choose life. So what would support look like if we had an actual emphasis on choosing life just as much as there's an emphasis on abortion? And if you ask the California Future of Abortion Council, their suggestion or their programming, their funding, all $61 million of it, is offering things like gas, lodging, transportation, child care, food, lost wages, and doula support for a woman seeking an abortion. I mean, I, this is mind-blowing to me. All of that for a woman seeking abortion, but for a woman who wants to carry her child to term or needs resources for her child, zilch. So that, to me, is not reproductive freedom when you have this asymmetrical emphasis and funding and marketing toward abortion as the answer. That's not freedom. To me, that's that's coercion. That's reproductive coercion for the women, for the mothers who are in need, who want to carry their unborn child to term. But do they have gas, lodging, transportation, childcare, doula support, food, and lost wages? or the time that they are in you know, labor, delivering children, or even their prenatal care, Black and brown women are heavily impacted by this. And I keep thinking, coercing these communities of Black and brown women to abort because you simply aren't meeting their basic needs is eugenics. You know, it's not caring for the community. It's really not giving them a choice to be cared for. You're not putting the same emphasis on these women's lives, on improving their lives. And in fact, you just abort and send them back to the same abusive relationships, substandard housing, lack of food, lack of health care. Nothing substantially has changed for these communities. So we really need to look at that as we are celebrating Mother's Day and really considering how we honor, support, and celebrate mothers. How are we failing these Black and Brown women? And how can we and should we support, honor, and celebrate them, no matter their circumstance. And so when I talk with Gina Vides today, you know, I'm thinking about the opinion piece she actually wrote about the California Future of Abortion Council and how lopsided the assistance is for women in California. It heavily favors abortion. And we get into that. And that's what I talk with Gina about, because I think so few of us actually recognize the imbalance a lot of times we hear freedom, you know, right to choose. And we're like, yeah, some people are like, yeah. I mean, we as Catholics from the teachings of, of our church understand that a right can never run contrary to the nature of a thing. And it's in with women's nature to be pregnant and to be mothers. Um, so we would never recognize right in that way. But this is how it's promoted. This is how it's marketed. This is how it's lauded. And no one wants to be in a position to say, oh, you can't have this right. But let's really look at it. Is it really a right when you don't have the basic things you need? Is it really a right or is it really more coercion? So we delve into that 
with Gina Vides, who serves these same Black and Brown women in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. The Gloria Purvis Podcast is a production of America Media, where real, honest conversations are happening on the most important issues at the intersection of the church and the world. And that's unique. You may not agree with everything we publish or even everything we talk about on this podcast, and that's okay. That's healthy. We need to listen to each other and be open to different ideas and perspectives. So if this podcast is meaningful to you, please support it by getting a digital subscription to America. How do you do that? Go to americamagazine.org slash subscribe and sign up today. The link is in the show notes. Stick around. My conversation with Gina Vides is up next. Gina, thank you so much for joining me on the Gloria Purvis podcast. (laughs) Thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. One of the things I find just amazing about what you do is how involved you are in what's going on in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, which also gives you access, if you will, for people most in need. Could you talk about that? Sure. When I started here in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, I started as the One Life LA coordinator. Ah. So my job was to promote One Life. So I was like, oh, this is a fantastic celebration of life. And I want to make sure that everyone in hears about it and comes. And so I'm like, let's go to our parishes. So I started meeting with Life, Justice, and Peace leaders throughout our 287 parishes in the Archdiocese. And every time I met a new Life, Justice, and Peace leader, I was like, wow, these people do a lot of stuff. And these are people, these are normal people, you know, mom, dads, they have children, they're volunteers at their parish. And Mm. they invest so many hours of volunteer. They support pregnancy centers, they support foster children, they support victims of human trafficking. They help families that are struggling and need assistance, whether it be, you know, at the parish food pantry or whether it be, you know, helping out on Sundays so that parents can go to mass and they take care of their kids. And Hmm. so I was like, wow, we have an array of people that are doing great things here in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. That's how I got to know them. I've been at my parish for the past 33 years. I've been at Mm. the same parish for the past 33 years. So I know a little bit about parish ministry. I've seen pastors come and go, ministries Mm. change. But that gave me the opportunity to really be out there with the people. And then I moved on to being the parish engagement strategist because that taught me how to really connect with leaders, right? Where do they get their information? How do you reach the most people? And that, that really reminded me that, you know what? The force of the church is the people. It's our Mm. families that are out there, that are living lives and building communities, strong communities, strong families, and they're helping each other. They're the best evangelizers. So I imagine that you're hearing a lot, and I'm thinking about women in particular, poor women, poor women who already have children, poor women who are pregnant, and the special kind of obligations we as moms or expecting moms have. And to compound that with all the other, you know, crisis issues we can have in our lives, poverty, dealing with immigration woes, substandard housing, no housing. So what kinds of things are these women when they come to the church or to the church ministries? What kind of things are they asking for? Well, one of the main things that our parish leaders and then our Center directors have shared with us is that when women come, they're asking for all sorts of things. It isn't just, you know, one thing that's weighing heavily on them. 
Yeah, so one of the um, main things that women come to us asking is assistance for rent. Mm. Because the reality is that in California, we're having a crisis where affordable housing is not very available in California. Yeah. And so if a mom is working and she's pregnant, first of all, she's already scared that her employer might, you know, let her go because she's pregnant. Right. The other thing is that women that live in poverty and that are working, I mean, we have here in California what are the working homeless, people who have a job, but the reality is that they can't afford rent. And the other thing that I want to make sure I mention here is that 60% of the women that have abortions in California are already moms. That means they have other children. Oh, wow. So there are moms that are trying to pay rent. If you're a mom, you have to put food on the table. You have to you know, put clothes yeah. and shoes for your children, let yeah. alone you have to pay car insurance, medical care, if they have it. Gas <laughs> for your car. If you Gas in California <laughs> right now is really high. So we think of everything and we realize, wow, you know, if she's sick or if she's pregnant and she doesn't feel well or she has, you know, a difficult pregnancy, that might mean that she's not working. And if she's not working, she could easily get behind in rent. The second thing they come to us is like, hey, you know what? I've been told that I can't do this, that I should have an abortion because my situation is difficult. Right. And for a woman to come out here and say that, that means she's feeling the pressure very strongly. And we're here to remind her that, hey, you know what? It's hard. And it's hard for all of us. But you can do this. If you need help, we can help you. What she's really asking for is, I need help. Okay, number one, we need to make sure that you see a doctor to make sure that you get all the prenatal care that you need, right? right. That means that, you know, maybe we sign you up for emergency medical because that is available here in California if you're pregnant. But some women just don't know about it. So here they are walking alongside them, letting them know, we can sign you up for emergency medical. We can help you get rental assistance to either one of our Catholic charities, one of our parishes, or even something from the city or state because it's available. Okay, wait. So I'm hearing about all the women's needs. I'm hearing how the church is stabbing. I'm hearing as Medi-Cal. But now I'm wondering, so what is the funding like for these wraparound services? I know California has something called the California Future of Abortion Council, and it seems like they have a lot of funding. And so I'm just trying to understand what the options or support is like for someone to get an abortion versus someone caring for their child and actually being able to give birth and still mother their children. Sure. So let me say this. So in December, the California Future of Abortion Council released a report. This is December 2021. That's correct. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And together with 40 California organizations, what they wanted to work on right now is expanding abortion services in California. They want to expand abortion from access to funding to loans for physicians. Loans for physicians? Yep. Interested in abortion care later wow. in pregnancy. Wait a minute. Wait, you, my head has got to wrap around that. California is offering loans to physicians who would be interested in doing abortions, later term abortions. Late term abortions. That's correct. Wow. Okay. So this is a report that was released in December. And this is what the leadership in California, along with the governor's office, wants to do. They want to ask for an additional $61 million in funding for reproductive justice is what they call it. But when reality is that they want to make abortion so affordable, so easy, so abortion being the only solution for a woman that's pregnant and in a crisis. They want to make California an abortion sanctuary, offering gas, lodging, transportation, childcare, doula support, 
food lost wages for a woman that is seeking an abortion. Yes. But is it that balance for women who want to have their children? Because to me, you can't say it's a choice when you don't fund women having children. So where's the funding for, like you talked about how expensive it is in Los Angeles. Where's the funding for these women to be able to have secure housing? So abortion is already legal in California. Until viability, Mm. Um, women and girls of any age can have an abortion without any parental consent or notification. Beginning in 2023, California will require abortion medication in health campuses or health clinics in CSUs and UC universities. So colleges? Colleges. There is no lack of access in California of abortion. It's available and performed by nurse practitioners, nurse midwives, physician assistants, and available via telehealth. Wow. Yeah, the abortion pill can be prescribed remotely. So access is very wide here in California. So widely available, easily accessible. But then what's it like for women who want to have their children or are just in crisis and need help? You know what I mean? And that's what we're asking. We're saying, hey, we have WIC, which is great. What's WIC? There may be some people listening who don't know what WIC is. So WIC is a program that helps um, women that are pregnant and to their children up until they're five with provisions like milk, cheese, eggs. Okay. So those are state funded. So that's great. But we're thinking a bit but right before that. We're talking about maybe how about health care? We're talking about affordable child care. How about right. affordable housing? And there is a lack of that here in L.A. County. So from my understanding is the Abortion Council in California has been saying, you know, oh my gosh, shrinking reproductive rights around the country. And so, you know, I guess they want to highlight how much it's so accessible and so provided for. But it sounds like to me that what they've lost in this, you know, bending over backwards to provide abortion is to meet the basic needs of a lot of these women who are poor and, in my opinion, may feel that abortion is the easier answer because they're getting more support for that choice. Right. I mean, what's happening here is that governor wants to make California an abortion sanctuary. So women who are seeking an abortion in California or out of California can come here and get all the abortion she wants. But what we're trying to tell and to make it known, make people aware is what about the women in California that are here that want to be moms that are parenting? What are we offering them? Again, abortion is already legal here. They're seeking to expand it, right? So if you're expanding just one choice, which is abortion, mm-hmm. why are you not providing equity for the other, which is the woman that is pregnant and wants to carry her child's a term, that wants to be a mom, that maybe is already a mom. Again, 60% of the women that have abortions in California are already moms, right? So she wow. needs help. And when we listen to our sisters out there, to the women that are being helped by crisis pregnancy centers, who are not Catholic, we're hearing from pregnancy center directors saying, hey, you know, we have women coming to us saying that they have a job, that they're moms and they're working and they still can't afford to pay rent. You know, she can't get a day off to go to the doctor, that she has an abusive relationship. So we're here generally trying to help her be the best mom she can be and be healthy for her unborn child. But if you give her the other option, which is abortion, guess what? She goes back to the same job that she has, to the same abusive partner, living still in poverty. That doesn't help her. That's not a solution to the problem right. she is facing. That's what we're trying to share with folks, saying, you know what? It's it's more than just the abortion. It's a situation that she's living in. It's a community. It's what's out there for her. Are we really helping her with what she needs? 
or giving her what she thinks she needs. Well, I know what you mean, but it sounds like to me that basically these structures that these women are trapped in are being reinforced <laughs> by this $61 million in abortion funding because it's not addressing the structure itself. It's not addressing their difficult circumstances itself. And so to me, I, I question how, how is that really justice if it doesn't give these women what they need? I mean, secure housing, affordable housing, food, health care, child care. I mean, it doesn't do anything to improve their actual situation. To me, it doesn't sound at all like policies that really are concerned about giving women real choices. I mean, because how much of a choice is it when you get no support for the things that you need just to live and then to have another child or to have a child, you're still not getting that support. And they're like, but we've got all the support for you to make this a choice not to have a child. It just seems asymmetrical. It, it seems like it's heavily favoring abortion. It's reproductive coercion. That's what it is. Reproductive coercion. Mm, good phrase. It's ironic that we're telling women that you have one choice. That's yeah. abortion. When instead we should be telling women you are strong. If you want to do this, we can help you. You can be a mom. You are strong, resilient. Women have been carrying families for generations. Right. You know, women can, sure, it's difficult. If you're young and you're in unintended pregnancy and you're in school, is it going to be difficult? Absolutely, it's going to be difficult. But you can do it. You can be a mom and go to school. You can be a mom and work. And here mm -hmm. you are telling women, you, you can't do that. You, you can't do that. So here's abortion for you. We'll be back in a minute. Do you have any story of any woman that's come and gotten help? Sure. I can give you one from just the pandemic. This was at the peak of the pandemic right. back in March of 2020 when we didn't know anything about COVID. And you were pretty much told if you're over the age of 50, you need to stay home because it's going to be detrimental to your health. Right. If you're pregnant, stay home. If you're immune compromised, stay home. So we launched this hotline. And one of the first calls that we received was a woman. She was eight months pregnant. She had three children, was living okay. in an apartment, and her husband was furloughed from his job. Oh, he, no. He was pretty much told, don't come in until we call you. And she's thinking, hey, you know what? Anything that you can provide will help. And I'm like, well, what do you need? Let us know what you need. And we can, we can definitely try to see if one of our parents, just name is the Paul. Your husband can go pick it up. You know, and she was like, well, I would really like some milk, some milk for my children. And so in my head, I'm thinking like, that's it. So we sent her, you know, we called our savings to Paul and they were kind enough to go and deliver it to her. We also called one of our pregnancy mm. centers and they, they, so they delivered food, eggs and vegetables. Mm. And then one of our pregnancy health centers actually delivered for her a box of clothing and newborn baby diapers because she didn't have anything. She was like, hey, you know, I'm eight months pregnant. This would be the month where I'm off of work and I was going to go get my, you know, everything ready for my baby. And I was like, okay, great. She's like, but I can't do that. I'm not allowed to go out. And I'm scared, honestly. And so she didn't have a chance to oh, do any wow. of that. Okay. Um, and again, this is over a period of calls, right? This isn't just one call. And her second call, she's called to thank us. And she said, thank you. Now, all I need to do now is find, you know, supplies for my baby. Because when I go to the hospital, I have nothing yet. I don't have a diaper bag. I don't have anything. I haven't been able to shop. And any resources we had have already been spent on rent. And so I was like, okay, let's see what I can do to help you. 
So I looked for the nearest pregnancy center and they were so kind. Mm -hmm. They put together a basket for her. And this volunteer drove it over 40 miles to take it to her and say, hey, you know what? Here's a welcome kit for you because you're a mom and you're strong and you're doing this, even though it's in the heart of a pandemic with, you know, you're having trouble finding food, paying rent, but we're letting you know that we're here for you. You know, let us know if you need something else. And she was, she was so happy. She called, um, she sent us a picture of her and her baby and her other children. And they're, you know, they just needed a little help to get by during these months of the pandemic where, you know, that were pretty much a period of uncertainty for everyone. So gosh, how do you deal with seeing that kind of imbalance, that kind of, in my opinion, injustice, that kind of reproductive coercion, as you call it? Does your faith play a role in this? Absolutely. Helping you, you know, persevere. Absolutely. If there's something that I've learned or has been more highlighted over the past pandemic is that the one thing that our faith community can offer people is hope. To move forward in hope. Mm. No matter how dire the situation is, there is hope because we are here with you. We can walk with you. We can accompany you. The church has been doing this for 2,000 years, helping families, serving women and children, right? The Catholic Church was the first that created hospitals, orphanages to help women in need. So right. for us, it, it comes naturally. And we want to remind folks, we've been doing this all along. We, we've always been here. We've been supporting mm. women. And so I guess the main message here would be not to lose hope. All this can be like all, all this information about just how much funding is going towards abortion and trying to tell women that, you know what, this is the easy answer. But we know the truth. We've been serving women and we know they don't want abortion. We know that after the abortion, she returns to the same conditions where she was living in poverty with an abusive relationship without any help. And that's not what we want for her. We've walked with women. We've heard them crying our shoulders after an abortion saying, you know what, I thought it was the best thing for me at the time. And here I am regretting it. And so, I mean, even here now in the archdiocese, mm. you know, we work to help women heal from an abortion, to give her that peace that she needs, to remind her that she is loved, that she is our sister, and that is help here for her, especially in a state that's telling you, okay, you know, we want to pay for your gas, lodging, transportation, your child carrying your doula, your food, and your lost wages for you to have an abortion. So all of that they'll pay for for the abortion. As of right now, there are 19 bills right now aiming to expand abortion in California that want to cover all of this. And yet for a woman that wants to carry the term, you're on your own. Oh. We'll help the poor women, the women struggling having abortion, but not to actually carry the term and care for your children after they're born. I mean, it's just so imbalanced. I don't see how it's anything else but coercion, but it often, you know, gets championed even by, you know, women of color. I know you all have some strong Latina pro-choice, as they call themselves, legislators, but, you know, reading more into their stories, what happened with them when they were pregnant? So actually, that's one of the things that we learned advocating for the choices of women, especially women in my community. So I, I come from South LA. We've learned saying, hey, oh, you know, we went to the same college or we went to the same high school or from your community. And I'm like, oh, that's great. And they're like, oh yeah, well, actually I was in college and I was pregnant. And I'm like, oh, you were in college. I'm pregnant. I'm like, oh, really? And, you know, how are your children? Like, oh, they're great. You know, they're in college now. And I'm like, you were in college. I'm pregnant. And so who helped you out? And it's like, oh, my parents, my family. Of course, these are family of means. And I'm like, well, that's fantastic. Um, well, why don't we share that message? Right? I mean, who doesn't want to be a top legislator in one of the most powerful states in the nation? But are we, is that the message that you're sharing? 
no, that's not the message that you're sharing. So these women, these same legislators, when they were in those circumstances, had lots of support that these other women don't. They had help and support that the average woman of color who's also poor does not have. Does not have or thinks she doesn't have because we're here and we want to let them Uh, know, hey, you know what? Stop telling women they don't have support. If they don't have support as a legislator, shouldn't you be supporting them? If these are your people, these are the people that you're representing, Mm -hmm. what are you offering Mm -hmm. them? That's what we're trying to bring into the conversation. Let me ask you this. So how can we amplify and expand your concerns, not only in the state of California, but also in other states and even at the federal level? How can we help people understand really the issue of reproductive coercion, even though people are calling it reproductive justice? Mm -hmm. I think the one thing that needs to happen is that we need to bring the women low-income women, women of color, the ones that are, you know, supposedly need the abortion, right? We talk with our sisters and Mm. say, hey, what do you really need? Let's listen to them and have them share their stories. And when they say, we want affordable housing, we want childcare, we want adequate prenatal care, are we doing that? Let's look at the numbers. Let's see what Mm. our, our counties, our state is providing for them. The numbers are there. The stories are there. But is anyone actually reviewing this data? No, we're giving them what they think they want. And that's abortion. And that's not the case. Well, it sounds to me like when you talk about this, because earlier you were mentioning so many different things, housing, food, health care, that you really have an expansive view of the dignity of the human person. And Gina, I'm just, I'm just thankful that you are hopeful. I know you see a lot of stuff. So I'm just really thankful that you've maintained the hope and how much the faith helps you remain hopeful and helping people. And so I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast and shedding some light on this, especially since Mother's Day is here, to shed light on these mothers who maybe we don't think about or maybe we haven't heard much about and really give some consideration to what real justice, reproductive justice looks like. It shouldn't be coercive. It should be supportive of the most vulnerable women who are pregnant and mothering. Absolutely. Um, And I think, I mean, thank you for having me. I definitely want to share that our parish leaders, families here in California, accompany women that are in need. They've been here every step of the way. And we're going to continue to serve women, children and families because that is what the church does. That is evangelization at its best. They are the saints that are keeping our church alive and strong here in the Archives of Los Angeles. And again, we are never going to lose hope because our faith compels us to move forth and go forward in hope. Amen. Thank you so much, Gina. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you're tuning into the Gloria Purvis podcast and journeying with me through these important and, well, sometimes challenging conversations. Please share this episode with a friend or family member and be sure to subscribe to the Gloria Purvis podcast on your podcast app. Oh, and could you leave us a review? I would love to hear from you. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter at Gloria underscore Purvis and on Instagram at I am Gloria Purvis. The Gloria Purvis podcast is a production of America Media. It's produced by Maggie Van Dorn and is engineered by Frank Tucson. You can learn more about America Media at americamagazine.org. We'll see you next time.